All right. If you haven't noticed, Mike is away. Pastor Mike is on vacation with Carol, celebrating uh, their anniversary and also Carol's birthday. They're enjoying some sunshine, so if you can remember them in prayer, that would be great. So, you get to hear from me. It's great. Always love the opportunity. Thank you. Um, just before I get started, I just want to thank you for all the support, uh, all the prayers over the past few months. Won't get into all the details, but most of you know that we've been through a lot of different things, uh, family and stuff like that. So I just want to publicly thank everyone here for prayers and support. Um, but what I want to talk to you about today is uh, I've called this talk uh, Another Second Chance Again. So Another Second Chance Again. And uh, let me just pray. God, we thank you for your word for us today, Lord. And uh, I just thank you some of the words that we sang to you that your grace runs deep. And that we are chosen, that we are not forsaken by you. I thank you that you never give up on us. You never forsake us. You never shame us or condemn us, Lord. But you are faithful to your promises. You are faithful in love to us. So Holy Spirit, just speak through your word to us today. Speak through me and... Uh, May your word just penetrate our hearts, penetrate our minds this morning. Amen. Amen. So I just want to share some statistics on public speaking. And statistics say that three out of every four people are said to be afraid of public speaking. Now the technical term for that is glossophobia, a fear of speaking out. Some people get nervous when they just Think about being asked to come up in front of a group of people and talk. In some, some people, they get fear. They, uh, they might get full-on panic, a panic attack about getting up in front of other people and talking. In fact, in the top 10 phobias studied in the U.S., public speaking was the most common phobia in all people. It beat out heights. It beat out dying. It beat out spiders, snakes, and even clowns. Some people are more afraid of talking in front of other people than dying, believe it or not. Or maybe even being in a room full of spider snakes and clowns all at once is overwhelming too. But uh, I can think back uh, to my days in Bible college and interning and just helping out in different churches I was in at the time. And uh, as a young adult, I was um, leading Bible studies. I was asked to talk to youth groups, uh, lead worship, obviously, and talk to worship groups and fill in speaking. Um, and I'm still a little bit nervous getting up and, and talking in front of people, believe it or not. I'm not shaking too much. There's not that much of a pulpit to hide behind here. But uh, sometimes you, you look out when you're in front of a group of people and all you see is blank looks and you're thinking, great, did I say something that offended someone or did that not make sense? But I don't think I was ever as nervous as my first time actually in a, a paid position in a church. Um, I was an associate pastor back in 2005, and it was kind of like a Sunday like today. The senior pastor was away, and uh, so we were at the point in the service where people are, are going around and shaking each other's hands and greeting one another, and that was right before the message. And so I'm just about to get up and speak, and, and people are still milling around. 
And one of the, the uh, older board members comes up to me, comes right up to the platform uh, in the church I was at, and he looks up at me, he's this older guy, Dan, our MP and our mayor are here visiting this morning. You better make it a good one. And he said that with a deadpan look on his face. And I'm like, I didn't know him that well at this point. Is he kidding? Is he serious? I can't even remember what I spoke on that Sunday, but uh, I was a lot more nervous than I usually would have been. Um, but it's okay to be nervous when we're called in front of a group of people um, because we're also being stretched out of our comfort zones. And I think that's when God can use us the most, when we're out of our comfort zones. When we say to God, I'll go where you want me to go, I'll say whatever you want me to say for you. Besides public speaking, there's a lot of reasons why we sometimes drop the ball in delivering God's message to our family or friends that need to hear it. Maybe we don't think that we have anything to offer or think that we have anything that we can say to encourage others. Or maybe we think that we have no right to speak up. Sometimes we waste our chances to speak life and hope because we disqualify ourselves or we wait too long. Now, I don't mean chance in the sense that it's random, but I mean a chance in another opportunity uh, for obedience. One of the marks of a growing Christian is being dissatisfied at where you're at at that moment. And what I mean is you want things to change in your life and you want to be changed by God, but you're also staying in the status quo. Every Christian is called to serve God. It's not just for pastors or elders or missionaries. It's for every Christian. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a great public speaker, but he might call on you from time to time to actually talk about him, to talk about the things that he's done in front of other people. God will use you if you let him use you. Just like he says through Ezekiel in chapter 22, he says, I searched for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. See, God is searching for someone, someone who will go where he wants them to go and say what he wants them to say. Now, I want to spend some time looking at the book of Jonah, mostly in the third chapter that, that Bill read. Uh, it's a short book of the Bible. It's only four chapters long. So if you get tired of listening to me, you can read through the whole book of Jonah in about 10 minutes. And it's an interesting book because it doesn't actually focus on the words of the prophets like other prophetic books but it focuses more on the behavior of Jonah in that book. He's almost like the prodigal son character of the Old Testament that God welcomes back. Jonah's story reassures us that the wonderful truth we have in God, that God isn't only a God of a second chance, but he's a God of multiple chances as we obey and repent. Now, maybe a lot of us have heard Jonah's story many times, uh, but I don't want to focus on just the big fish or the whale today or the leafy plant or the worm. But uh, the first verse, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Here he has a second chance, a second opportunity to do what God says, because he didn't get it right the first time when God first told him to go. Instead of going east, he went west. He was supposed to go to Nineveh. He went the opposite direction to Tarshish. Uh, point number two, God doesn't allow judgment before warning us. 
You may have heard the saying that opportunity only knocks once. But in God's kingdom, that's not how it works. God wants everyone to repent. And Peter reminds us of this in 2 Peter 2, 3-9. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And Peter, of all people, knows this very well. He pretty much denies Jesus right to his face, not just twice, but three times. Peter's big fish was the sadness and guilt that overwhelmed him and lasted for three days. It wasn't until after the resurrection that Jesus came back and asked Peter three times if he loves him. But Jesus forgave and reinstated Peter at the resurrection. See, God's plan with Peter had never changed. He was still the rock on which he was going to build his church. Peter even had the warning before that he was going to deny Jesus three times, and yet he still did. God always gives us warning before judgment, just like he warned Adam and Eve, just like he warned the people of Noah's day, and just like how Moses warned the Pharaoh in Egypt, to name a few. Just as God told Jonah he was to warn the Ninevites, here was Jonah's own warning in this almost shipwreck to obey God. So Jonah messed up. He knowingly went the opposite direction. Not only did Jonah want to run away from God, but as we find out later in chapter 4, that Jonah didn't even like Nineveh or think that they deserved God's grace. Yes, Nineveh was an extremely wicked city of over 120,000 people. It was one of the most important cities in the Assyrian Empire. So Jonah runs away. He messes up when he decides to obey God's word. Instead of going to Nineveh, he gets to go to SeaWorld, gets swallowed by a big fish. God could have ended Jonah right there in that fish for disobeying. He could have said, okay, that's it. I'm going to find someone else. But he didn't. And Jonah ends up, uh, he does end up repenting for not listening to God. Jonah's life shows us that God does still use people that reject his calling, that God does still use people that reject his word, and that God does still use people that try to pursue a course of their own choosing. All of us at different points in our life can look back and say, if only I had a chance to undo those mistakes I made. If only I could undo that choice in my finances, in my career, in my marriage, or in how I parent. If only I could do it over again. Jonah's experiences remind us that there is an even greater opportunity for us. If we turn our hearts to obedience and serve God, we can be restored. Not that he's going to hit a big undo button on our choices, or like a Back to the Future movie, go back and correct it all, or free us from total consequences from our choices, but that he redeems our life and our bad choices for his purposes. Our failures can leave us feeling that God can never use us again or bless us again, but we are never useless in God's purposes. We serve an awesome God. He has plans for each of us, young and old, and we can't ever fail enough. We're never flawed too much that he's ever going to change those plans for us. Even though Jonah had failed when he was first told to go to Nineveh, maybe you failed at meeting an expectation at work or in your family, in your home life, but failure 
does not have to be final. Maybe you've made some New Year's resolution and you've already broke it. Maybe it's something big. Maybe it's something small. Maybe it was something like you want to read your Bible more or pray more or drink more water. Or maybe you have some sin in your life, some pattern that you know that you need to stop. Maybe you have a habit that you know that is bad or you need to watch your language or stop gossiping. And maybe you've failed at that already, 26 days into the month. But we can get so easy, easily stuck in the same old patterns. But God shakes us up and gets our attention at just the right time. Maybe you feel that your failure is so big and you're disqualifying yourself from being used by God that you can't be redeemed. Maybe you're saying to yourself, if people only knew, or I can't do this because... Yes, sometimes there's consequences to our failures that do change us. Now, I don't believe that spending three days in the belly of a big fish, that you don't come out smelling clean, that the stomach acids don't affect you at all. When I was a kid, I used to think of it like the old movie Pinocchio, where Geppetto's inside the big fish with um, the goldfish that's still perfectly in the bowl and the cat's there too, and they're all happy and there's lots of room. But it wasn't like that. I don't think the stomach had lots of room. And you don't walk away from something like that totally unchanged. You don't smell the same. You probably don't look the same either. It takes a toll on your body. After three days, Jonah repented and he found out that God gave him another chance. He was spit out on that beach, ready to go talk to Nineveh. And he decided to finally obey. He had a message to deliver, just like God gives us a message to deliver and commands to obey. Despite our mistakes, despite our failures, the call remains true, and it remains in all of us. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. God has plans for each one of us, and we can't ever fail enough to change God's plans for our life. Most of us know Jeremiah 29.11, where he says, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not harm. Plans to give you a future with hope. Except sometimes our time stuck in the fish may change the way we see that plan or how we deliver that message. Sometimes it's through our mess that our message comes through the best. Now, I don't think it was a coincidence uh, when I was looking up Nineveh and, and different things that they did. I don't think it was a coincidence that Jonah was sent, of all places, to a group of people that one of the gods, one of the false gods they worshipped was uh, Dagon, and it was a fish god. And here's Jonah coming out of the fish and with a message from God. See, God was still equipping and preparing Jonah, even though he didn't realize it. God's plan for Jonah didn't change at all, but Jonah did. He didn't walk away from his failure smelling the greatest, but he didn't just leave it behind as if it never happened. I'm sure it played a part in how he later walked through that city. God can do a lot with one person and a few short words, as we see in Jonah. So Jonah gets to Nineveh, and we're told it's a large city, and it would take three days to walk through it. And what does Jonah do? He gets one day into the city, only one day in, not even to the middle of the city. And his message for Nineveh isn't even the most impressive. 
In my Bible, it's eight short words. And in Hebrew, it's actually shorter than five words. He gets up and he says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. The end. He gives a really short, odd sermon. Don't you wish all sermons were that short? But it's almost like Jonah tries to sabotage his own message. He's got a few things missing in it. He doesn't tell the Ninevites what they've done wrong. There's no mention of what they should even do to respond. There's no mention of who's going to overthrow them. And there's no mention of God at all in the message. Whatever his motives are for missing some important parts to his message, Jonah's plan for sabotaging his message don't work. But God's plan wins out in the end. God uses the short words. I can almost imagine Jonah saying them through gritted teeth to reach the king. And not only did the whole city end up repenting and turning to God, but according to verse 8 in my translation, it says that the animals did too. It says people and the animals were covered in sackcloth. His message wasn't impressive at all, but his results were amazing. God's message somehow got to the right person at the right time, and his city was changed as a result. The Holy Spirit used those simple words and that small step of obedience from Jonah. Just like God can use your small step of obedience. No matter how inadequate we think we are, God can still use our words. Because they always go beyond where we feel the boundaries of our words end. Our words don't just have meaning because the dictionary gives them their meaning, but our words also have meaning because of the posture, the position of our hearts in obedience and repentance and with the Holy Spirit. So if you think that you don't have a message or you think you don't have a testimony that can encourage each other, just start with what you know, what God has proven to you in your life. He can use one short sentence, one phrase, to plant a seed in someone's life and direct others. Did Jonah know that his abrupt message would make it to the king of Nineveh? I doubt it. But Jonah did know that God was faithful to his character. In chapter 4, when Jonah is angry with God because he knew that God was going to save them, Jonah says, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. If you think because of your failures that you're somehow on your own, not the right person to talk about God, Paul reminds us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We all fall short. We all miss the mark, but we are all examples of His grace. It's because of his endless grace that God still calls us, still uses us, despite our flaws and failures. Even when we don't feel the part, or talking about God can seem overwhelming. What if someone asks me a question I don't know? Well, that's an awesome thing. Someone wants to know more about God. Start with the things that you do know. Seek out and learn the other stuff. Tell the person you'll find the answer to their question and get back to them. Your faith and your knowledge of the Word of God will grow because of it. Maybe God will take an eight-word short message that you share and transform a person, a family, 
or a city just because you spoke it out of obedience and repentance. Maybe it's through nervousness or gritted teeth, but God takes that obedient heart and uses it. Just like a boy's small lunch offering of five loaves and fish, he multiplies it to direct people towards him and demonstrate his grace and compassion. No matter how nervous you are, no matter how much you don't like speaking in front of friends, family, or enemies, take the next step and be faithful and obedient. Not to sound cliche, but he takes your mess and turns it into a message. Did Jonah fail again? Of course he did. It didn't take him long to. Right in the next few verses of chapter 4, his attitude was still horrible towards the people of Nineveh and towards God. But God still showed grace and compassion in how he dealt with Jonah. Jonah was given chance upon chance, opportunity upon opportunity, based on his repentance and obedience. He still didn't have it all together. He still didn't come totally in line with God's word. But God didn't give up. Just like God gives us another chance and another chance and another chance, based on our repentance and obedience. We can take comfort to know that we worship and love a God that is merciful, who gives us all grace to have chances, that even when we mess up, run away, or deny him with our words or actions. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's interesting the way that Jesus talks to the Pharisees about the sign of the prophet Jonah. When Jesus says that the Pharisees, and essentially us still, are a wicked and adulterous generation, our attentions and our intentions can so easily put us on the wrong path, because that's what we're predisposed to. Yes, Jesus is also talking about his own resurrection after three days, but when it comes to this wanting for more signs and miracles, We actually already have enough because of Jesus. Yes, he's still doing miracles big and small today, and we're thankful for that, that he moves in mighty ways. But even if he didn't, we still have enough, more than what Jonah did and said, because of Jesus and what he's done. Throughout history, God has used flawed people. They failed often. There are people in the Bible that are there not because they're great people, but because they have faith in a great God. God gave them all a second chance. I think of someone like Abraham, who was told he'd be a great nation. Someone that denied that Sarah was his wife twice. You'd think he'd learn after the first time, but he didn't. God told him he was going to be a great nation, and there he was at 75, no kids. So he waited another 10 years, and then he had a kid with someone that wasn't his wife. And then 15 years after that, he was almost 100 years old. God came true on his promise. It was in God's timing that his son came along, that Isaac came along. God's timing isn't like our timing. He always comes through at just the right time. We can never fail too much. We're never flawed too much. Even when we try to take matters into our own hands, if we are repentant, If we are obedient, if we take that small step, God continues to use us. Just like God uses people like David 
like Peter, like Jonah, and like us. So I don't want to focus on the theme from Jonah that you can't run from God's plans, but take comfort in the fact that you can't ruin God's plans. Maybe you messed up, you feel like your story is over because you're stuck in the same pattern. But start with one small step of obedience and try not to look back. Don't worry about how messy your message is because God will use that. Just like Jonah, get the points crossed in as many words as you need. And God will do the rest, even if you stink like a fish's belly. I was thinking it's great this clock up here doesn't work. So I could preach for hours. <laughs> yeah. Just as I close, I want to leave you with this thought from Deuteronomy 31.8, uh, where Moses tells Joshua and all the people of God, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Jesus says that if we lose our life on account of him, if we lose our status, if we lose our wealth, if we lose popularity, if we die because of him and the gospel, Jesus tells us that's when we've actually saved our lives. That God will never give up on you, no matter how many reasons you think you give him to. He's always going to give you a second chance. There's always grace to continue. He's faithful in his word. He's faithful in his promises. They come through at just the right time. Never too early, never too late. So I want to pray and then we're going to listen to a song called The God Who Stays. It speaks about a God who's always there. He never gives up on us. He never lets go of us. And he's always faithful to us. And then after that, I'll invite the music team up. So God, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that your word is true, Lord. Thank you for the lesson that we can learn from Jonah that even though our attitudes stink sometimes, even though it's so easy to give up, or we doubt your goodness, we, del- we doubt the validity of the message we have, we thank you that you are, you are full of grace, you're full of love when we take that step of obedience when we turn our hearts towards you, when we look to you as our strength, when we look to you as our shelter, Lord. Your word never returns empty or void. That you took those eight short words that Jonah spoke and those words somehow made it to the king and that land was changed. And God, you do the same thing with us in our lives things we don't even know the impact we have on other people, whether that's words that are spoken, whether that's just being there at the right time in the right place to encourage someone. God, you take the small offering that we have, you take the step of obedience that we we make, and you turn it into something so much greater for your kingdom, Lord. So I ask that for each person here, for each family that's represented for those that might not know you. God, that you use our steps, use our words, as weak as we feel, as flawed and as full of failures as we are. We thank you that you still use us to turn people to you and your goodness and your love. 
thank you that you don't give up on us, Lord. Amen. Amen.